0: I uh, told the choir that I was going to preach about them this morning. You can see about half of them left a while ago. (laughs) But uh, after Dave and Sandy McDonald remodeled and repaired the choir room, and if you haven't seen it, may I encourage you to stick your head in there and look at it. They did a magnificent job. It's a beautiful, beautiful room. Uh, Much more fun in there than it was previously, although it never was. And I'm grateful to the both of you. Thanks and God bless. But anyway, after we did that, our leader Jacob decided that we needed to change up the way the choir sets. Perhaps you've noticed that now the basses are over here uh, behind the organ instead of over on the other side. And it, it didn't make that much of a difference as long as we were rehearsing or warming up or whatever back in the choir room. But when we got ready to come in, you can see Regina over here laughing. It was a three ring circus those first two or three weeks back here in the sanctuary. City. You go first, no, you go first. Yeah. Uh, this, this sort of business. Yeah, change can be confusing. All right, here's one other thing we're gonna do differently today. Boys and girls, and those of you who are children of God, there will be several times during this sermon when I wanna make sure you remember what I have to say. So when I say something, I'm going to invite you to say it after me. So I will say change can be confusing. And you're gonna say, change, turn, turn, turn. (laughs) Touchdown, Harley. (laughs) I knew y'all were gonna give me a bad time this morning. Change can be confusing. Now you. Change can be confusing. Change can even be difficult and yet change, change is inevitable. It's true now, it was true back in Biblical times. And the book of Ecclesiastes, sometimes called the preacher, reflects on the changes of this conundrum we call life. And in these passages that we tried to sing or look at this morning, The preacher reminds us that there is a time appropriate for all of the contradictory experiences of life, or as the way he put it, a season to every purpose under heaven, shall we? A season to every purpose under heaven. There is, for instance, the wonderful gift of life, and and yet there exists the inevitability of death for all of us, for everything, we humans, plants, animals, institutions, nations, societies, galaxies, solar systems, even denominations and congregations. But the preacher, he didn't stop there. Because of where we live, I think all of us know at least a little bit about planting and harvesting There is within each and every one of us the contrasting urges to heal and to hurt, to nurture life as well as to end life. There are times in which we build up. There are times in which we tear things apart, intentionally or otherwise. We all experience laughter and tears, times of mourning and times of celebration. There are those experiences in which we gather and those experiences in which we scatter or discard. There are appropriate times to express affection. There are times to let the moment pass. I wish some of our politicians and uh, entertainment people would uh, learn that lesson. Anyway, we gain and we lose. We use time to its best advantage, we waste time. There are times to, in computer language now, that we cut and we paste. There are times to speak out, times to shut up. There are the alternating emotions of love and hate, of struggle and those rare but beautiful moments of peace. Each of these moments, each of these events... Each of these actions or thought processes reflect upon the inevitability of change within our lives. Thus, we might add one more contrasting pair to the preacher's famous list. There is a time or a reason to change and a time or a reason to remain the same. Let's remind ourselves of that. There is a time or a reason to change. There is a time or a reason to change. There is a time or a reason to remain the same. There is a time or a reason to remain the same. And figuring out what to do and when and how to do it presents us with some of the greatest challenges that life has to offer to us. Many folks think they tend to honor God by resisting change, by doing and thinking the way they believe folks have always done and thought. But God, listen to me now, God is a God of change. Come back to me. God is a God of change. Look all through your Bible and you'll see the many ways that God has changed things If not himself. Oh, God's love, God's presence, God's care and concern for each and every one of us. These are some of the great constants of life. They don't change. But other things do. God is constantly presenting us with new challenges, with new opportunities, with new insights. New things to learn, new ways to grow. Thus, I believe that to be against change is to be against God. So the, the solution to coping with a changing world, a changing church, a changing society, it's not to look for ways to set the past in stone. It's not to worship the way things were. Rather, we need of faith in the God who brings about change and who controls that change for the good. And to me, nothing or no one illustrates the importance of change better, better, better than Jesus himself. And I believe that the carpenter from Nazareth is the greatest God-given change since God set off that big bang billions and billions of years ago. Everything Jesus said, everything he did, everything he was tended to go against the accepted norms of his day. You ever thought about it that way? How many times, how many times you reckon Jesus said, you have heard it said, whatever. But what would he follow that with? But I, I say to you. Among other things, he challenged the way we men interact with you ladies. He confronted the way we look at the sick and the injured and the infirm. He charged us to reach out and to help those who are less fortunate than we are. And he even told us to love our enemies. Let's remind ourselves of that. He even told us to love our enemies. He even told us to love our enemies. Jesus changed what religion was all about. Before Jesus came, people saw religion as a way they could con God, con God into doing things their way, con God into granting them favors and into tilting the forces of nature in their direction. Hmm. And for some, alas, that's what religion is still all about. But Jesus came to tell us that we can't con God into doing anything God doesn't want to do otherwise. He said rather that God knows and God wants what's best for us, for all of us. God knows and God wants what's best for us. Let's try that. God knows and God wants what's best for us. God loves us, all of us, period, good, bad, indifferent. In God, we can find the right way to do things, to make lives better for ourselves and for our families, for our friends. In God, we find a way to make the world more like the place in which we would all like to live. In his ministry, Jesus even went so far as to change the meaning of the most sacred and significant event in Jewish history, Passover. For 1,200 years, Jew, Jews had been observing Passover as the time that God released his people from bondage in Egypt. We call it the Exodus. But Jesus took that and he gave us a new kind of Passover. The passage from ordinary life to life eternal. Life with a God-like quality. Jesus was about nothing if he wasn't about change. Changing the way we view God, changing the way we worship, changing the way we serve God, changing the way we interact with one another and with the world around us. As I said a while ago, today is a very special day, at least it is to me in the life of the church. It is World Communion Sunday. Come on, World Communion Sunday. Not everybody observes this day as such, but many Christians use this day to affirm our unity, our oneness in Christ. It reminds us that we kneel at the same table We share in one bread, we drink from one cup. We serve one Lord, the God and Father of us all. Now you know as well as I do that there are many differences between the people of Christ. Between denominations, between congregations, between individual Christians, but this Sunday, gives us a time to gather our stones, gather our stones together and to affirm what unites us, what unites us rather than those things that might divide us. Remember in John's gospel on his very last night on earth, You remember what Jesus prayed? He prayed that his disciples might be one, even as he and God are one. And that's what today is all about. It's praying and working for the unity of the people of Christ. It's praying and working for a church that is the way Jesus wanted us to to be. And if we would ever, if we could ever change our attitudes about our brothers and sisters in the faith who see things, who see God differently than we do, that would not just be change, that would be a revolution. That would be a revolution. And I don't know about you, but I think it's high time for another revolution, for a revolution in which we reach out to one another instead of one in which we push each other away. The kind of revolution where we truly see God as being in control, the kind of revolution that is a faith that puts belief into action A revolution where we share a faith that calls us to make our communities, our nation, our world, the kind of places that we all want them to be and we know God wants them to be. Not just for ourselves, but for all, for all of God's children. It's a revolution that enacts those words we pray together Sunday after Sunday and we'll in just a few minutes thy kingdom come and how will that kingdom come it's when thy will is done on earth on earth as it is in heaven and yet I'm not a fool they look like one sometimes. What I'm trying to say. I understand reality, and I know that change is difficult. Yet I also know it's necessary. It's absolutely necessary if we are going to experience even a little of that full and abundant life that Jesus promised to all of us. Okay. I know it's exactly as Robert Shuler said when he was preaching those years ago, it takes guts to leave the ruts. Yeah. You remember that? It takes guts to leave the ruts. And so, to everything there is a season. Come with me. To everything there is a season. And a time for every purpose under heaven. And a time for every purpose under heaven. God has willed it. So let it be. Amen. All right, we're not through. We're not through. I'm going to invite you kids and anyone else who wants to do this. To come back forward again. Miss Kathy Barnes and uh, others have put together a beautiful worship arrangement on the altar here, and I want y'all to come take a good, good look at it, okay? Can you come up here with me? Let's look at the altar. The altar is the special place for God in our sanctuary. And this, holy. Well, and this is truly... All right, let's come on up here. Now, don't touch. Look, look, but don't touch. Oh, Benjamin, nobody knows better than me how hot it is. Bro. <laughs> this robe is many things, among which is hot. All right, look here. There are things here from all over the world that remind us that we are one in Jesus. We have the bread. What do we do with the bread? We eat it. But what does it represent? You remember? The body of Jesus. and We've got the grapes. You know what comes from grapes? Either grape juice or, or wine, it all depends, okay? Now there's things up here from all over the place. These happen to be mine. I know where they are and where they came from. They are the praying hands, but these are special. They are carved from olive wood, And were carved in Bethlehem. Where's Bethlehem? What's Israel? And what's special about Bethlehem? Where Jesus was born. All right. Saw it up here a minute ago. Where did did it run off? There it is. Okay. What's this? It's a cup. It looks like a communion cup, doesn't it? It was given to me by a missionary friend of mine who serves in the Philippines. Long, long way away. And it's made out of palm wood. What we got in there? Well, would you look at that? Palm wood. You know, I've got a palm tree in my backyard. Uh, then we've got, what's this? uh uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. a globe. That's the world, and Christians all around the world are worshiping God today. The last thing I want to show you this morning is this platter. It's written in Spanish. Any of y'all understand Spanish? Kind of. It says, bienvenidos. You know what that means? Welcome. Can you say with me, bienvenidos. bienvenidos. Very good. And the other part says, mi casa es su casa. And that means, my house is your house. Okay? Can we say, mi casa su casa? Mi casa es su casa. All right, and that's what God says to us. This is God's house, right? We've called it that for ages. But this is also our house, Georgia Southern fans. Whose house? God's house. Whose house? Our house. We share a house with God and with one another. And that's what we celebrate today. Thank you for coming up, and thank you for being so, so good and attentive. God bless, boys and girls.